It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe, on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Hour number two, Light the Tower, Jeff Howe, Jack Farrell, Craig Way, and Cameron Parker out today. Cameron will be back on Wednesday. We won't see Craig until Big 12 Media Days on July 12th. Until then, I'll do my best to keep you entertained as you spend these two hours by the radio. It's part of our live local programming all day here on the Horn. Uh, Jack, did we get a winner for the uh, today's copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine? Yes, we did. Do you want the name? No, I'm just asking for my health. Yes, I would like the name. Greatly appreciate it. <laughs> Mr. Eric Brown is our winner today. Eric, congratulations. Uh, you'll get your copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. We'll get Derek on that, and he'll mail that out. I already got two bones to pick with DCTF, by the way. I'll, I love the publication. A lot of good people work there. Matt Stepp and I have known each other for a long time. Will Wilkerson, good dude. Ishmael Johnson, a lot of, Mike Craven, a lot of good people work at DCTF. Two things, though, that I have a problem with. Uh, my Florence Buffaloes were picked last in their district, so whoever's responsible for that, let's let's pull, let's pull a little more research, a little more thought into it, give me something to look forward to when I read DCTF, because I will read this thing front to back. Uh, and when, when the heck do I get to be on the writer's poll? Craven or Will, whoever's responsible for that. I was in the magazine as a player, would love to be in the writer's poll as a professional, just so... I can have that. I don't even know if that's a distinct honor or a dubious honor or whatever. But it'd be cool. I, I'd like to get an invite to be on the writers' poll. Am I, I'm not asking. I'm not asking much, am I, Jack? I think you've earned it at this point. I don't know that I've earned anything, but uh, if oh, you, come on, uh, those are your words, not mine. So. Give yourself some credit, Jeff. Uh, you know this is this goes this falls back to my uh, my theory of uh, I take my job seriously. I don't take myself very seriously. So it's a good way to it's be. A little, it's a little Kevin Dunn advice by way of Sean Adams, or is that Sean Adams advice by way of Kevin Dunn? I don't know how that works, but Sean Adams sold that to Kevin Dunn, the late great Sean Adams, and then KD relayed that to me, and that's just kind of stuck with me for a while now. So try to try to do that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Texter, how is Lockhart in DCTF? I don't. Uh, I don't want to go down and run down everybody's favorite school and where, and where how they're projected to finish in their district. So. I would just encourage you, if you didn't win one today on the show, go to hornfm.com. You can win a free copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. Maybe we'll do that next week or something. Also, one thing I'm going to do next week, and uh, I've been told, Jack, yeah, actually, you know what, I'll save that for the flex segment. I don't want to spoil the fun. Uh, we'll save that for coming up in the in the flex segment, uh, in the next segment, when we'll do flex and get back to the Longhorn Notebook. Uh, but at any rate, not an app guy. Do Gerald people not call in since they can't read? Well, there's that. There's the the inability to read. Not an app guy, and also, uh, you know, you're a little. You got to be slow to pull the trigger on a on a rotary phone. It's really hard to do that. Or Morse code or carrier pigeon. I don't know how they com, uh, you know communicate with each other on a regular basis in that part of of Northern Williamson County. So, uh, yeah, it's tough, tough, tough life growing up in Gerald. I, I, somebody texted in yesterday talking smack about Gerald, and I do greatly, greatly appreciate the feedback. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, CB, when's the last time Parade All-Americans were a thing? CB, probably the last time Playboy did their preseason All-American team. Jack, you uh, you don't remember that, do you, when Playboy had the issue where they had their preseason college football All-American team? I do not. That was That was long gone by the time you probably came of age and were interested in what was uh, within the contents of Playboy magazine, right? I would have to the, say yes. The All-America team was long gone. I would I would, I would, read that. Hey, I, I want to know about college football. It's part of preseason reading, right? You got you to gotta see who's on the Playboy preseason All-America team. It's been a minute, CB, so I don't know when that went away. I, you know, I'll, now that I think about it, it's probably, Jack, have you ever, you know, you get the, the Sunday newspaper. When's the last time, where did you grow up, Jack, by the way, before I get too far down that road? Where did you grow up? Grew up getting the Statesman. Okay. I'm, I'm from Austin. Do you, uh, what high school did you go to? I uh, I went to a very small private school that nobody's ever heard of. It's called Hill Country Christian. My graduating class was 34 people. Nice. Okay. I mean, my wife is the principal at a private school, so I'm familiar with a lot of the private schools in the area. So. There's a you're you're down south, right? There's there's a hill country in uh, San Marcos, and there's no relation, and they always drilled that into us that we are not related <laughs> to them. Like, okay, what's what's I, the beef? I got you, I got you. So you remember getting the you get the statesman, you get the Sunday paper, right? The Sunday paper was a big deal. It's coupon day, right? You know, mom cut out clip out coupons and go to the grocery store and whatnot. You remember getting Parade Magazine in there? It would be tucked away in the Sunday paper. I haven't gotten a Sunday paper in I don't know how long, so I can't tell you, CB, the last time I even saw Parade Magazine, like physically saw one in front of me with my honest. I don't even know if Parade Magazine is still a thing, to be honest with you. So it's probably been a good 10, 15 years last time I saw Parade Magazine. You, you Googling that, Jack, to see if Parade Magazine is still a thing? Wikipedia says was, so that's not Ooh, a good sign. Oh, that's never. Anytime you you pull up something, someone or something's Wikipedia page, oh. and it says was. That's the final edition was in November of 2022. Oh, so it continues as an e magazine or a website. Yeah, but you know, like with with the, the with the All Star Games, with the All American Bowl in San Antonio, you got the Under Armour game. Uh, you also got Max Preps. As they're all boy between the All American Bowl and Max Preps, I'm just hitting all my 24 seven sports CBS digital brethren today, giving everybody shout outs. Uh, everybody's got different All American teams, so the parade deal is not it's not as big as it used to be, which is unfortunate because you know that used to be a prestigious thing. It's just not uh, not anymore. And Parade Magazine as a physical. Uh, Deal isn't even a thing anymore. So thank you for looking that up, Jack. Uh, this texter says, uh, I won the magazine yesterday. Appreciate it. Listen on the app from DFW. So it is possible to win listening from the app. That's why uh, we always try to give, like, I was giving Cam, like, some low-hanging fruit. Like, it'll be caller four. it be caller five. I decided to give Jack. Jack, was that a challenge getting caller 12 or no? Were you good back there? It uh, it was a battle, but okay, came was, came out on the other side. Trying to see if good. I can make your head explode, but you're a pro. You handled that very well. CB reminding us that Sonny Davis, uh, the late great Sonny Davis of Lanier High School. What is Lanier High School now? Is it Navarro? Navarro. Yeah, it. Uh, he was a parade all American. Uh, Jeff Mudd, is it because the back page guy? <laughs> it is because the back page guy with the eyebrows passed away. Ending Parade magazine. Okay, well, thank you for that bit of information, Jeff Mudd. All right, I do want to get to uh, some of your Texas football feedback again. A lot of really good takes when I was talking about the things that concern me the most about the Longhorns in 2023, and what what would it take for Texas 
if Texas doesn't make the Big 12 championship game, which is to me where the bar of success is set in 2023, what's going to prevent them from getting there? And, yes, we will talk about the uh, Texas baseball pitching coach situation. We'll do that in the next segment. We'll get your thoughts on that. Uh, This texture says, Would have to think not playing for the Big 12 ship going into the SEC for Texas is a life where Sark may not be here. If Steve Sarkeesian isn't leading Texas into the Big 12, or isn't leading Texas into the SEC in 2024, it, it, you're talking something of like biblically catastrophic proportions will have to happen. Probably nothing to do with football level of. Something in that realm. Yeah. Like it's, I don't, that texture, if that's really a thought that's crossing your mind, I, I wouldn't even, that's probably not even worth the headspace right now to even think about anything like that. So that's probably neither here nor there. Daryl chiming in saying uh, there's plenty of NASCAR, IndyCar, and F1 to talk about much more exciting than golf or the fact that Oklahoma sucks. Well, we're talking Big 12 football. We're talking Texas. So we'll, I guess we'll go with the, uh, with the latter. I did mention John Blake in terms of the bad hires OU has made. I forgot where that run started. It was the end of Gary Gibbs, which a lot of Gary Gibbs' success or lack thereof can be – attributed to the fact that Oklahoma was on probation, pretty extensive probation, from the end of the Barry Switzer tenure. Uh, but there was that one year under Howard Schnellenberger in 95, or was it 94? What, it was 95. There, Oklahoma was 5-5-1, five, five and one, I think. Yeah, that didn't uh, – I think, what was he talking about? Bring, you know, Sooner Magic or Sooner Nation, whatever he was talking about. I forget what it was. He had some kind of saying. But it uh, didn't, really, didn't really work out too well for Schnelly. Uh, in Oklahoma, that that's how that's how I can tell my real. There's some Oklahoma fans, Jack, that have jumped on the bandwagon in the last 20 years during the the height of the Bob Stoops era, coming off a national championship. You know, you're talking to a real Oklahoma fan when they can tell you about how rough it was during the Howard Schnellenberger year and those three years under John Blake, where it really felt like Oklahoma had pretty much hit rock bottom at that point. That's how you know you you're talking to a real. Oklahoma fan. Uh, Texas says Texas has had the highest number of ones. Texas had the highest number of one-score games last year. That's the 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 key to having a better record in, in games decided by eight points or less. Those one-score games. Get yourself to the point where you're in fewer of them. That was the big problem with Tom Herman. Jack, it wasn't because at some point your record your record's going to be pretty close to five hundred. In one score games, because it's it's just flip of the coin. It could go either way. That's it, that's what happens in tight games. You just don't want to play a ton of them. Like you look at Lincoln Riley's tenure at Oklahoma, they didn't play a ton of close games, and the ones that they did play in, whether it was Lincoln Riley's offensive vacuumin or you know having Heisman winning quarterbacks, Oklahoma was able to overcome that whenever they got into those close games. Uh, Texas has to find whatever that it, it, maybe it's Sark doing something, whatever it is. Two things there. It's twofold. Play fewer one-score games and make sure that you know you, you're doing something. You've given your squad a some type of edge to be able to push over the top and win more of those. Robert Giddings says, as a Longhorn fan, the reality is that other than the ten years under Mac Brown, the Longhorns have been mediocre the last forty years or so. I see this a lot, and I know there's been a lot of a lot of columns across the state locally that'll point out. You know, you pretty much look at. Throughout the the really good years under Fred Akers, which I think would cover what seventy seven to eighty three, because eighty four they were number one in the country, and but then kind of no, took a nosedive at the end of the season and ended up getting just 
rolled. I mean, just absolutely destroyed by Iowa in the Freedom Bowl. Uh, so probably let, let's even let's say 84, 77, 84. Pretty much from then through now, if you take out that run of nine win seasons that Mac Brown had, it's Texas is a like between a 500 and a 600 program somewhere in there. That's just what it is. And you can look at it like that, or you can say, "Hey, man, uh, yeah, this mediocre." Or as Texas just grossly underachieved compared to for so long the money that wasn't being put in to paying coaches, the money that wasn't being put in to updating facility, the money that wasn't being put in to infrastructure in general, the Texas has fell behind the times. But you know, one thing that that Max tenure showed when everybody's on the same page, when administration and fans and you know, high school coaches and, and, and prospects in this state and boosters, when everybody's on the same page with the coaching hire, this place can be really powerful. It can be really special. And with the way things are, with the administration being behind Sark, with by and large, I mean, I know, we, you know we've got textures and I deal with fans on the flagship message board at Horns 24-7. There are some people that don't like Sark. It's, you're never going to have a 100% unanimous consensus of, I mean, you can go right now to, uh, you know, go to Bama 24-7, go to our 24-7 Sports Alabama affiliate. You'll find Alabama fans that nitpick and find things wrong with Nick Saban. You find Georgia fans that are upset with something Kirby Smart today. He just goes on and on. But, you know, that's – I feel like Texas fans are at the point right now where the majority of Texas fans still believe in Sark to an extent, whether it's Sark can lead this team to the ultimate prize, which is the national championship, whether Sark is a conference championship caliber coach. I still feel like the majority of the fan base believes in Sark. So at least you still got – there's still that going for Sark at this point. I don't think he's lost the fan base. So you can say Texas has underachieved when things aren't aligned. I hate that because it's so overplayed, the BBs in the box term, but it's it's true. And for the first time in a long time, it feels like ever the feels like the house is in order, Jack Farrell, on the forty for the first time in a long time. And I, I I attribute that to an administration that understood we talked about this earlier this week. For years I heard this said about Texas, and the more I thought about it, the more it rang true. It, it's really hard in, in college athletics today to try to to desire to be Stanford Sunday through Friday and then try to suddenly just be Alabama on Saturday. You kind of got to go, and I'm not saying you've got to, you know, lower your standards or, or anything like that, but you've got to, hey, how committed are we going to be to athletics what kind of resources are we going to put into infrastructure and coaches' salaries and making sure that our student-athletes have the best of the best? How much are you willing to put into it? And I feel like Chris Del Conte, Jay Hartzell, Kevin Eltife, those three being overall that, I feel like they've done that. And the move to the SEC shows, hey, we're serious about competing in all sports at a really high level. We're dead serious about it because they know going into the league you're about to go into, you better have money put into facilities. You better have money put into infrastructure. You better have money into paying your coach as well. Otherwise, your life in that league is going to be a miserable experience. I don't care what sport you're talking about. Football, men's basketball, women's basketball, volleyball, baseball, softball. You you find elite teams across the board, especially – dude. You might as well just say whoever wins the SEC in softball is probably going to win the national championship. Because with Oklahoma going into that league, dude, I, what would the next best league in the in the country be in terms of softball? Like it, it it's got to be a Grand Canyon sized gap between the SEC and everybody else. So, just so the administration is serious about Texas being a power in athletics, 
for years to come with the decision they made to jump into the SEC. Thank you, everybody, for pointing out the Charlie Sheen movie I was trying to think about was The Chase, and it was not Kim Basinger. It was Christy Swanson. Christy Swanson and Charlie Sheen in The Chase. And, yes, I did, Jack Farrell, find the Wikipedia entry on The Chase, and that indeed is the movie where she he carjacks her, she is taken hostage, they get in a chase with police, and they do end up getting it on in the car. What's the uh, what's the Rotten Tomatoes on this movie? You know what? Let me give me just a minute. I can uh, I can find that for you. I'm gonna guess that movie probably did not, not score high. very high. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's go down to critical reception. How about forty uh, percent approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes? That's a negative score. Uh, let's see. The late great Roger Ebert gave it two and a half. Uh, gave it two and a half out of three stars. Felt that the chase was slick, charming, with moments of real wit. Huh? Oh, I didn't did not see that coming today. He also praised Christie's uh, also praised Christy Swanson's quote unaffected charm and Sheen's ability to play an almost impossible role in a fairly straight style. So there you go. Roger Ebert liked it. Just the Rotten Tomatoes score, not very. I this trust me, this isn't one. This discussion hasn't piqued my interest enough to like go back this weekend. Like, oh, I gotta watch the chase. Gotta remember what that was all about. I don't, don't think I'll be searching for that one on Hulu or Netflix this weekend. I'll just take the uh, Rotten Tomatoes score. Worth it, uh, Jack. We need to check and see on these ESPN layoffs. Anybody else that's that's been victim. Uh, because John of the Bay said Max Kellerman apparently has been uh, part of the ESPN cuts. He's been he's a casualty. No, that's what I point. understand. That Max so Max Kellerman is out completely. Is that what you're telling me? I is think it? so. It's a tough uh, tough summer for the ESPN for the four letter network. That uh, that Disney money is not quite quite what they had hoped. Well, I, I mean, you know, Bob Iger got back in charge of that thing, and you know, anytime anytime there's a change at the top, you know, there's going to be some restructuring going on. Uh, let's Just run see. Stephen A. for 12 hours a day. I feel like that's what they're trying to do. <sighs> you know, it's uh, it's it's dang unfortunate. So, yeah, we talked about Jeff Van Gundy, Jalen Rose. Uh, at the, I'm reading this from Andrew Marchand, uh, who does a really good job reporting on sports media for the New York Post. I uh, said at the beginning of Disney's three rounds of layoff sources told the Post that, that, that at ESPN there would be, quote-unquote, no sacred cows when letting go of personnel, while the likes of Stephen A. Smith, Scott Van Pelt, Joe Buck, and some other big names are not at risk, there are expected to be decades-long on-air talent let go. I mentioned the canceled show with Max Kellerman, Keyshawn Johnson, and Jay Wilson. Dude, Max Kellerman makes around $5 million a year. It's a good, it's a damn good salary if you can get it. Uh, Steve Young and Susie Colbert are among those reported to be on the chopping block. Uh, yeah, I'm just kind of reading this as we go on, so I don't see anything confirmed. No names popping up. Okay, well, well, I'm sure Chad and Jack, are you producing for Chad today? I'll be on with Chad in okay. the 12 to 3 block. I'm sure you guys will have uh, have the latest on that. I uh, just want to get to some more of your feedback on the Specs text line before we move on. Uh, it says, uh, Gerald communicates with each other via grunts. I like that. Just keep keep the Gerald, keep the Gerald stuff coming, people. I I, I love it. Uh, Bevo Lance Jason. The only scenario that I can see Texas not playing for the Big Twelve Championship is if they have two losses, and their two losses come at the hands of teams that are undefeated 
in conference play. That would mean the Big 12 would be a like you're talking about like 2008 Big 12 stuff. If I you're agree. talking about a couple of undefeated teams and a two lost Texas and all that fun stuff. So, but if we do lose to two teams in the Big 12, that might be enough to call it a failure in my book with what we're looking at today and with how favorably the Big 12 is shaken out. I don't think you can you can lose two we, games. I think you can drop one. That's normal, but two. I think if ten and two with the loss at Alabama would be. Let me throw this that's at the you. Goal. Throw this at you, jumping jack. We'll see how the throw this at you. See if you you grab it and how it resonates with you. There are three games I'm really concerned about on the schedule. Take Alabama out. Yeah, it's, it's Bama. It's in Tuscaloosa. Goes without saying. Three games on the schedule I'm really concerned about, and this is in terms of some of it's the opponent, some of it's recent history, some of it's where the game falls on the schedule. Kansas at home. Kansas State at home. Talk about the Chris Kleiman factor, right? He's 0 for Texas in his tenure. And Rod Babers brought it up on the Blitz, and then the more I think about it, a November 18th trip to Ames to play Iowa State, where the weather's probably going to be miserable, is the week before you come back to play Texas Tech in your final game, final regular season game as a Big 12 member, knowing that you lost in Lubbock. Everybody's going to be pumped for that game. Could you overlook a Matt Campbell coach team going to Ames? Like, those three games... I, I hate the term trap game, but if you're going to look at three where you could unexpectedly see Texas stumble, I think it could be one of those three. Kansas at home, K-State at home, Iowa State on the road. Yeah, I think at this point, I, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not worried. I'm terrified of every single game on here. I'm, I'm worried about Wyoming to a certain extent. I mean, <laughs> Come I just, on, Jack. I am Wyoming? so snake bit. I am just so, I, obviously, I'm not worried about Wyoming. But, some of that Maryland PTSD or dude, what? Oh, my God. Good Lord. I think Maryland was my first game as a student. One Dude, of was it, were, you, were you part of the student contingent throwing trash onto the field in the fourth quarter? I would never do that. I did leave the Kansas game that we lost at home early. That's the that's the most non-Texas fan thing I've ever done. That's the only <laughs> time I've ever left a game early is after that pick six. You know you chucked a water bottle from the student section onto the field. No, I, that, I didn't want to pay $8 for a water bottle and then throw that thing. Come on now. But yeah, I, I would – the Kansas schools, I think – we are kind of past the point where Kansas is a laughing stock and just an automatic win. If that quarterback yeah. of theirs is healthy, which is a huge, Dude, you forget, man. Jalen Daniels was. Some people had him nice. as the Heisman They're front like runner. Five and zero. Oh, some and people oh. had him as the Heisman front runner when they were undefeated before he got hurt. But yeah, Kansas State would be my pick for the second best team in the conference. And then yeah, the Matt Campbell weather effect, and also he. Uh, Hates Texas. Dude, Texas, and was Texas screaming hasn't, last year. Texas so. hasn't played well in Ames in over a decade. No, 2011 so. they won going away, but 2013 was the Jonathan Gray fumble that wasn't. 15 was Ugh. one more miserable experience. Quite frankly, I've had covering a Texas game where there were all kinds of there were tornadoes in the area. That was a Halloween weekend. Tornadoes in the area, and everybody had a tough time just getting to Ames. Period. It was 24 nothing shutout loss. Uh, 17, they won the game, but it was... It was like 17 to 14, right? Seven, and then I think quarterback it was seven, quit the team like right 17, after the game. 17, seven, yeah. You, I'm glad you remember that. Jacob Park did quit the team right after that. And I think Texas won that game with like 198 yards of total offense. I don't think they had 200 yards of total offense that night. That's garbage. And then That's tw- awesome. 2019 was the game that they scored a couple of times with, with Sam running the two-minute drill and just refused to stick with it and kept trying to play meathead football. And then 2021 was... You know, that was the, uh, there was the whole monkey incident that week yes. on Halloween. And then I, I, I'm so glad that that monkey thing happened. And That's then, a great story. And then the 30 to 7 loss. And then that was also the post game Bo Davis incident on the bus. So it was that 
I don't know. There's been a lot of moments in Texas football, Jack, since since Texas played in Alabama and Pasadena. Don't I know it? January 2010 that have felt like rock bottom. That whole that probably 10, 12 day period of you know the pet monkey story coming out to the loss to Iowa State to the Bo Davis bus incident to the loss to Kansas the following weekend. Uh, that was probably that probably is rock bottom. The Charlie Strong. I was at that TCU game, Charlie's last game. That felt, I think that was just the worst mood I've ever seen in a stadium. Just pure defeat, just pure misery. Just very, very much a funeral-like that vibe that and day. I, we went for it on like a fourth and goal to try and score a meaningless touchdown, but at least we wouldn't have been like shut out, you know, and we didn't get it. They stonewalled us on what was a meaningless play. Why do I remember... Trent Domain missed like three field goals that day, I think. It felt like the, three. Was it who did we have all those special teams with? That was a Charlie Strong thing, right? That Oklahoma State game. <laughs> the three blocked extra points. Good lord. <laughs> we have been through it. We deserve this. We deserve a decade of Oklahoma being mediocre and Texas being Well, it goes back to what I was telling you about real OU fans. Like there's some OU fans that don't know any form like their their level of misery is oh, we lost in the playoff. Oh, he's never been bad in my lifetime. They've been like eight and four in my lifetime, but they've never been bad. No, no. La- last year is the worst OU team you've probably ever seen in terms of a record. That's probably true. They're six and seven, yeah, because it's the only that's the first losing season they've had since ninety eight. What year were you born? Bob Stoops was the coach when I was born. I was born in two thousand. You were you were on the year Oklahoma won a national championship. Yeah, Oklahoma. Oklahoma really has never been bad. So you were you were in kindergarten when Vy crossed the goal line. I was a whippersnapper. Yeah. Imagine that. Imagine how easy it was growing up in Austin as a Texas fan with two parents that are legacies. It, I mean, that's how you fall in love with football right there. I said it before, My man. It's, had front it's row like, seats. I got Jordan Shipley's game-worn glove. I still have it. Do you really? Man, that's my prized possession, I would say. That's awesome, man. I wore number 11 uh, in high school basketball and middle school because Jordan Shipley wore number 11 when he was on the Bengals because I couldn't wear number 8. No, were, were the single-digit numbers too big for you? No, or the, too small for you. You know they they you aren't allowed to wear at that level. The NCAA just changed that. I don't know if you saw. Now college basketball players don't have to stick through the one through five. Yeah, Not like Bronny said, he's wearing number six. But back uh, back in my middle school days, that you know you were one through five, ten through fifteen. They didn't have six, seven, eight. I got you. Okay. All right, we're up against it. We got to take a break. Come back with our flex update. It's going to be more of a me laying out a content piece for next week, a little tease, and our second-hour Longhorn Notebook. We'll do that when we come back on Light the Tower, on the Horn, live, local, and digital, on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Right now, it's showtime at PJ's. Light the Tower. Thanks for coming down tonight. It's nice to see all you guys back here. Coming down to the end of our Friday show and our broadcast week here on Light the Tower. Don't forget, we're out on Monday and Tuesday next week. We'll be back on Wednesday. Uh, It'll be myself and Cameron Parker. Jumping Jack Farrell behind the glass, filling in the day. Doing a very nice job. Jack, did you get you some Alpha Brain this morning or something? A couple Red Bulls. Get ready for this five hours of radio you got to do. No, I'm just I'm going for it. No, uh, no substances. No, no chemicals. Didn't even eat breakfast. 
That that was a mistake. I should have. That's a dang coaching mistake on your part. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Should have go have a bag of chips or beef jerky or something from that vending machine. I got one of them little fig bar gimmicks from the vending machine. You know, little fruit fig things. Like a fig Newton. It's man, it's kind of like a fig Newton, but I it's way better. Newton. It's way better. They're okay. like a little bulkier, and the it doesn't taste like you know a bowling shoe. So. <laughs> Show me the package. I'm I'm intrigued. I threw it away. I I, no, I, I threw it away out in the. Did I throw it away in the hall? I think I threw it away out in the hall. I don't really want to dig, dig the around tra- in there. You can go. You can go dig around the <laughs> trash can if you want to. I just don't want to. I don't want to do it. But anyway, let's go ahead and get to a quick flex update. On the horn, my hotkey's not working, Jeff. Uh, are, are we dead in the water back there, sir? I think we are. I'm, I'm clicking the sounder. She's not playing. Well, okay. This is. Uh, I'll give Jack about another five seconds. You 100 percent sure we're we're done? All right. Just want to thank Dr. Greg Eckert and Brain Vault for sponsoring our flex segments. Uh, all of our flex segments here on the horn are sponsored by Dr. Greg Eckert and the fine folks at Brain Vault working on that Brain Vault technology. Quick flex update for me, though. Oh, we're, we're good now? Can we get the sounder real quick so we can get that Brain Vault that Brain Vault sponsorship in? Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. Two quick things. One, no panic on the face of Jack Farrell during that little kerfluffle. And it just, fiasco. We started talking about food. It just oddly started smelling like onions in here. That's the, like the worst possible smell that you like, could have. Seriously, for a it smells like, like it's that. like somebody plugged in like a raw onion air freshener and it's permeating throughout Burning the room right now. Yeah, like it's seriously like it's in my face right now. That's all. Ugh, that's awful. Anyway, so when we come back on Wednesday, uh, by the way, we had our season finale of the Flex show. That would be with Cameron, Zach Lucero, and Nolan Hogan. Get over to hornfm.com on the podcast page to listen to that if you missed any of it. When we come back on Wednesday, I, I, I mentioned this the other day. So the content piece I'm working on, we'll have this up at flexatx.com too. I'm going to try to, I don't know if I'm going to list them in alphabetical order, if I'm going to rank them. I'm going to rank my favorite high school football players from the greater Austin area that I have seen since I started covering high school football on a regular basis in 2002. So it covers a lot of ground. Uh, probably the first one I remember seeing when I was able to get out and start watching high school games, talked about him this week, Eric Hardeman at Pflugerville. I'm going to have my list. I'm going to need some more time to work on it, but that's going to be something that we do on Wednesday. And again, if you miss next Wednesday's show, it'll be up at uh, flxatx.com. All right. So that's a little tease for next week. Right now, let's go ahead and get to this hour's edition of the Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. All right, Duke on the Specs text line. You've asked this a couple of times. Uh... Will you please ask listeners where they are buying Dave Campbell's? Every text we've gotten on listeners about DCTF is that they can't find it anywhere. So if by chance you found one, text in and let us know. Otherwise, right now your only option pretty much is to either try to call in on this show to win one or go to the website, uh, go to hornfm.com. But I have yet to see anybody text in and say they have purchased a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, let alone where they got it. So there's where that. 
Uh, also, Duke texted in and said, please expand on Meathead football. Meathead football, to me, is the end of that Iowa State game in 2019 when it was clear Texas could not run the football and you pound your head against the wall just trying to force the issue. Oh, we're going to be physical. We're going to, we're going to run the football. We're going to power football. And it's just not working, and it's against your detriment to try to run the football, and you end up losing a game because of it. Yeah, I would – Further in that point, staying in the great state of Iowa, it's just whatever Iowa has been doing for the last several years. That's what Meathead Football no, is. No, that's an insult to Meathead Football is the it's, Iowa It's offense. below Meathead Football. It's below Meathead Football. I think the it's, Texas Rangers average more runs points a game than the Iowa football offense. That's that, uh, Back in the day, there was nothing more disappointing. It, at least now with Fox and the big noon kickoff, at least you're guaranteed to get at least one good game in that early window. But back in the day... You know, you what game day would be in Columbus for Ohio State, Penn State, or you know, Tallahassee for Florida State, Miami, and they're getting you pumped up and getting you ready for the the day's action. Man, I can't wait! And what's the first game ESPN shows you? And it's not like you had a ton of options at that point, Jack. It's like, oh, Northwestern and Purdue, Iowa, Real sicko and, football, Iowa and Wisconsin. Yay! Can't wait to watch paint dry for the next three hours. So. That Duke is what I mean by meathead football when it's just, you just want to, oh, we're going to be physical and bludgeon the other team and blah, 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 and you just do it to your detriment. Um, Got to talk a little Texas baseball. I, I do, I, I want to get some more time. I mentioned the Bill Connolly thing uh, with his SP Plus, that he is, his SP Plus projections are out, but they came out at a point where I didn't really have time to look at them. So we'll also talk about that next week. On the show. Actually, one more thing real quick. Um, on TexasFootball.com, thank you, Texter. On TexasFootball.com, DCTF magazines will be available in stores starting on July 4th. So I guess if you – I don't know what hours Walmart or HEB or whoever has on July 4th, but apparently you can start finding them on the shelves July 4th. The only other place that I know you can get them is if you are a Dave Campbell's Texas Football online subscriber – uh, then you you should already have yours, and I think a lot of seen a lot of coaches and a lot of other people that already have theirs. So, at any rate, um, we'll get in next week. So next week, uh, I mentioned next Wednesday, I'll have my Greater Austin Area High School football just kind of player rundown or you know, ten or five. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'll I'll figure it out by then, and then we'll really dig into the nitty gritty with this SP, these SP Plus projections uh, that Bill Connolly put together to ESPN for the Big Twelve in 2023, including Texas, who he's got Texas at Bill Connolly. And this isn't like Bill Connolly just picking names out of a hat or grasping a straw. This is his research. The SP Plus projects Texas to win the Big 12. Um, so we'll get into that next week. But I do want to hit on some Texas baseball real quick. All American honors have gone out for several Longhorns. Uh, and uh, actually, I just had that. Sorry. Technology's wonderful, isn't it? I don't know why it knocked me off there. There we go. Jack, what's our deal with, with, with technology right now in the studio? We're having a hard time today. We're, we're on the struggle bus, but we're, we're making it. IT uh, not on our side. Lucas Gordon, LeBaron Johnson Jr., and Dylan Campbell have all earned various All-American all honors. Uh, Lucas Gordon, collegiate baseball, a newspaper first-team All-American, second-team All-American by D1Baseball.com, the American Baseball Coaches Association, Baseball America, the National College Baseball Writers Association, and a perfect game third-team All-American, LBJ, collegiate baseball second-team, ABCA third-team, and Dylan Campbell, 
third team All-American honors from Baseball America and the NCBWA. So congratulations to those three Longhorns. And probably not expecting Lucas Gordon to be back at this point. We'll see how the draft plays out. But whoever's pitching for Texas next year, Woody Williams will not be their pitching coach. It'll be somebody else. That move was made yesterday. We're probably about 24 hours removed from that news coming down. And this is the second offseason in a row where David Pierce is going to look for a pitching coach. Last year it was the program parted ways with Sean Allen. This year it's the program and Woody Williams parting ways. And I don't think it's – this is just my – and I don't have any any inside information on this. I You know, I even though my tag on this show is an insider at Horns 24-7, I just – I still find that cringy a little bit. But at any rate – I don't have any inside information on this. This is just me kind of reading the tea leaves and gathering the information that I have throughout the season and having a little bit of insight into how David Pierce thinks and how he views pitchers. I feel like making a change in pitching coaches is less about coaching pitching mechanics and much more about David Pierce trying to find someone Basically, like almost if he could clone himself and make the other version of himself the pitching coach, somebody that not only views developing pitchers the same way he does, and I'm not saying this is right or wrong, this is my opinion on what I think David Pierce is looking for. I think he's looking for someone that views pitching the same way he does and can try to break through to guys in the same manner that he would try to break through and communicate with guys. Maybe... I'm not saying have a little bit more of the red ass or anything like that. I'm just saying like maybe have a little more of an edge when you're dealing with pitchers. I think that might be something David Pierce is looking for. I think it's a mindset thing. His Their philosophy on recruiting pitchers, I've said this once, I've said it a hundred times on this show, I've written it at Horns 24-7, talked about it in various forms here on the station. The first meeting I had with David Pierce when he took the job, we talked about recruiting as myself, Ron Atulo, still with the statesman, although Ryan's covering politics now. Dustin McComas was in that meeting. Myself and somebody else, I forget, but I digress. We're talking about recruiting. And David Pierce has stuck to the recruiting philosophy that he laid out that day. When it came to pitching, he wanted to recruit hard throwers, guys that had power arms, and for lack of a better term, they would kind of teach them the mechanics of being really good pitchers. And that sounds great in theory. And when you get a guy, Jack, like an LBJ, like a LeBaron Johnson Jr., when it works, now you got to do the throws 95, 96, and he has command of you know three pitches. Now he looks like he's a guy that could be a number one guy for you. But more often than not, LBJ is the exception, not the rule of what's happened with some of these hard throwers Texas has recruited. And they've ended up with some guys that, yeah, they can throw it 95, 96, but whether it's confidence on the mound, mental approach, repeatable mechanics, whatever it is, there's been a disconnect. So my thing has been whatever the disconnect is for David Pierce with with developing pitchers. That's the biggest thing that had to get fixed because I know we've talked about the lack of NIL funding for the baseball program, but their takes out of the portal, the offensive takes they've had out of the portal have been really good. 
Mike Antico, Skylar Messenger, Porter Brown this year, uh, Garrett Gilmet this year. Hell, even Tanner Carlson, before he got hurt, was playing really well. Ivan Melendez. Well, Ivan was a Juco guy. It's yeah. a little bit different. But they, they've been really good at finding offensive players. And you can debate how consistent the offense has been, but in terms of home runs, the two most prolific home run hitting offenses in school history have both been coached by David Pierce. So I don't worry about this team and this coaching staff, whoever's on the staff with David Pierce, being able to find bats, being able to find athletes who can play, being able to find production. It's about developing pitchers, and wherever that disconnect is, it needed to get fixed. If that's David Pierce hiring, and, and uh, I, I, I knew this text would come, was coming. This text said Pierce should be his own pitching coach. Very next text says, Pierce has always called the shots on pitching. That is the major problem. I do wonder, though, if David Pierce had somebody that he really trusted to work with the pitching staff. Where he, and I think it's, it's, it's almost like an offensive coordinator in football who gives up play calling. They're always going to be hands-on. They're always going to be involved to an extent. But and, and baseball is a little bit different because it's just that day-to-day grind and then the development time and the practice time and everything else. Baseball is a completely different game. But I do wonder if David Pierce would feel better about the pitching coach if it was somebody that he really felt like he could just almost completely turn things over to and he'll be on the periphery just kind of helping out whenever he's needed. I, I don't know that he's had that. I don't know that he had that with Sean Allen or he felt that comfort level with Sean Allen. Uh, and clearly there wasn't that level of comfort there with Woody Williams based on the fact that he was only here for a year. So I think this is a – it goes without saying this is a critical hire, but I think David Pierce really needs to get this one right because whatever the issue has been developing pitchers, they got to get it figured out because you're about to go into a league where, Jack Farrell, if you don't have power arms in the SEC, to use the term I used earlier, life will be a miserable experience for you going through your respective season, especially in baseball, if you don't have power arms to go up against Arkansas and LSU and Tennessee and Alabama and Florida and everybody else, Vanderbilt, all the really good teams you'll see in the SEC. It's a deep conference. That I'm honestly as a as a fan, uh that's the the move I am most worried about. I dude, think basketball takes care of business. Oh no, not worry, man. There. I'm excited. Dude, I'm so pumped, I'm excited about it. Oh yeah, baseball. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I mean if there's one thing where it's gonna like you're, you're right. I mean, you're, we, what you're saying, I'm totally in, in agreement with. Is you need those guys, and if you're having this much turnover in your pitching coach position year to year, it's I don't I don't know. I just don't, I don't like that. It's got to hinder the development of the guys in yeah, the program too, right? Exactly. I mean, like I took guitar lessons when I was a kid, and my teacher like kept quitting. I got a new teacher like yeah. every year, so I learned the basics like over and over and over, and then I never. Never got any better with those teachers, you know? Yeah. Because they were just kept trying to teach me their way, their way. How did they do it? So I think continuity is a big thing. Like if if Zane Morehouse or LBJ came back next year, right? So I'm just not saying they are or whatever. It's hypothetical me throwing it out. If they came back next year, that would be their third different pitching coach in as many years. How does that benefit the player at all? It's almost a hindrance at that point. So I don't know. It's really critical hire for David Pierce, and he's got to get it right for this pitching staff to get on track. I know they were tenth in the country in team ERA, but we saw, man, you went. You by the time you got to the Big Twelve tournament, you didn't have a bullpen hand that you could require, that you could count on. Excuse me, let me say require that you could count on to go out there and get one critical out in a ball game. You weren't sure you would turn to, let alone a guy that could get you three at the end of a game. 
So something to think about before the weekend, which is where we will head next as we come back and close out this edition of Light the Tower on the Horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app at hornfm.com. Light the Tower with Craig Way and Jeff Howe. All right, that's going to do it for the broadcast week for today's show. Again, no show Monday, no show Tuesday. Cameron Parker and I will be back on Wednesday. Jumpin' Jack Farrell, outstanding job today, sir. Appreciate it. Always fun to be here. Get you a power bar and a, I don't know what else, a Red Bull and prepare for these next three hours with Chad Hastings. That's coming up next from noon to three before we get you to Ball Don't Lie to close out the week. For the vacationing Craig Way, for the absent Cameron Parker, for Jumpin' Jack Farrell, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back on Wednesday to light the tower on the horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Happy Fourth of July, everybody.